This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Hafsa and welcome to the Mind Pretty Soul podcast where I get to talk about that which gives you peace of mind, keeps you looking pretty and the things that make your soul sing with incredible women that inspire me. Before we jump into this episode, excuse my voice, (laughs) I sound a bit nasally, a bit deep and sometimes my voice might just break a little bit like a boy who's going through puberty. (laughs) I kind of have a cold but I kind of don't if that makes sense and my voice is definitely impacted which i hate but anyway let's jump straight into the episode so my guest angela maruli is a global development practitioner in her nine to five specifically working on gender equality in nigeria her expertise lies in working with civil society organizations governments and the private sector on women's political empowerment and ending violence against women and girls i actually used to mentor angela a few years ago and something we clicked on was our mutual love of beauty so as well as her incredible incredible day job Angela is a freelance makeup artist and she's worked with the likes of Mac, Nars, MDM Flow. So you'll remember, by the way, if you've stuck here long enough, you will remember my previous episode with the founder of MDM Flow, Florence. So it's a great episode and I'm sure you'll take away so many things that Angela has to say. So yeah, happy listening. When you used to live in London, we'd catch up momentarily. And then now that you've moved to Nigeria, whenever you come to London, I guess it's always been the pandemic. So we haven't actually seen each other for a while. So yeah, this is literally a catch up. Everyone listening has the pleasure of listening to our catch up. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, what's new? What's going on? Tell me everything. (laughs) The last time we saw each other in person may have been like 2019. Maybe in 2018, I can't remember. I think it might have been 2019. What blows my mind is that there are so many people, the last time that I'd seen them was 2019. It's like, I think we're all on pause. And like, I don't know if that's our earliest, like our memory, our last memory, everything that happened in 2019. Um, But yeah, since since we last saw 
Um, I moved to Nigeria, so I currently live in Abuja, the capital of Nigeria. Um, and I relocated here in September 2019. Um, and I'm, I now work for an international non-government organization, uh, working specifically on gender equality, women's rights, uh, which is what I was doing even in the UK when we first met. Um, so yeah, I'm just living my best life, being a baby girl here in Abuja um, and enjoying it, yeah. You know, one of the first things that really like make like that basically made me so impressed with you is the work you did with women and you when we when we were kind of when we met you were talking about all of the work you've done the studies that you've done everything and I was like this girl is cool and she's smart like I personally love women who love women like who work with women who are really interested in invested in the betterment of our plight and whether it's safety health um against violence anything what whatever it is I'm always like I salute you seriously and that's what really drew me to you to begin with and now you're like killing it in your career as well like every time I see you on Instagram or anywhere else I'm just like oh my god I'm kind of proud of seeing what you've done thank you like I'm if I, I'm gonna be smiling like this like, <laughs> um no but I likewise I think uh how we first met was at uh, a vision board party and you were on the panel and you were talking about how you sort of vision board how you set your goals for you know the time to come and I just remember for me thinking because at that time you were also uh, working in beauty marketing and I was really interested in in beauty I thought that I sort of had like the career mentorship on on lock to an extent because I was working um, in an African diaspora led organization full of phenomenal women and I was thinking okay how can I grow um, you know take my my interest in beauty beyond enthusiasm and I was just looking at you and I was thinking oh my gosh she's in marketing she's in beauty and she just like exudes good vibes and I was like okay she's going to be my mentor whether she likes it or not and I literally I followed you on insta thank god you followed me back and I dm'd you and I sent you like a whole long paragraph didn't even give you a moment to breathe just sort of asking you if you wouldn't mind just like taking me through this beauty journey where I was really exploring um, being uh, a, a freelancing makeup artist and so yeah that, that I think we were drawn to each other for similar positive good vibes yeah I remember that so well I remember that event Benita her event by the way she is a co-host of the Ads Vice podcast worth listening to I remember that event funnily enough that was actually my birthday so that was 2018 right so that was my 27th mm-hmm. birthday and mm-hmm. I remember going there on my 27th birthday and I was like I love that I'm able to celebrate my birthday doing this you know like it was just so cool to me so honestly and when you'd reached out to me I was like so flattered so yeah it's been a great relationship since so, yeah we'd obviously meet all the time at the global and that was always mm-hmm. nice we kind of catch up and talk about our plans and your goals and everything and that was pretty amazing yeah it was nice like me being from like northwest you living like in west west London as well um and then just being able to ha- to hang out in the west end of London and I just remember thinking oh, this this woman is so amazing and she would just like buy me really nice coffees and stuff like that um yeah it was just wholesome I would just describe like our relationship from the get-go as just being very wholesome and just very chilled which I deeply appreciated and I think that's what you want from mentors when I was younger I didn't really act I mean there were a few times where I'd actively gone out of my way to to basically approach people that I admired and ask them to be my mentor but I'd kind of been knocked a bit 
I, I had no responses sometimes. And then there were other people who who were like, absolutely, I'm going to mentor you. No problem. I love it. Blah, blah. But I love that, that you had the kind of the foresight to say, this is who I want as a mentor. I'm going to approach her. And I love that. And at the time as well, for me, I was like me, a mentor. But actually, now that I look back at it, I, I w- I'm I feel like I was privileged enough to have paid it forward. And now I can at least with hindsight say that I had something, at least it was, I had something to share. But even though then I was kind of dealing with a bit of imposter syndrome where I thought me, how can I kind of give a little bit of part of me was thinking, how can I, like, I'm not even hugely like so far in advance in my career, but now I can look back and say, I loved it. Like, I think I at least had something that I could have, could have given someone like you who'd kind of been fresh out of uni and and was kind of in the beginning of her career as well. No, absolutely. And I think it's so crazy um, that, not even crazy, I think it's actually very normal that you felt that perhaps, oh, you know, I don't know what I I had to give um, because I think that's how often it is. But I just remember thinking, wow, this woman manages like a huge portfolio. She's just so wise, so kind. And so it's, yeah, it's always interesting because you never gave off any sense of, you know, like a lack of confidence, et cetera, um, towards me. And I think just going back to what you just said about paying it forward, I think that's also so, 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 so important. And that's why for me, I am so interested in also in in mentorship because I recognize that without those women who just took a moment to take a chance on me, I literally wouldn't be where I am today. You know, when you say with the people that have taken a chance on you, I honestly think now I've kind of kind of gone far enough in my career to realize that those who did take a chance on me were people who were risk takers to begin with they kind of see a little potential in you that little spark that they can see and they and and that kind of says that spark can have the potential to go and ignite into a much bigger flame and I'm so grateful for the people that took a chance on me, especially when I was like at at university and I was a student and I'd kind of be bold faced enough. I remember there were a few times where I'd kind of gone out of my way to tweet people and I was like, hey, are you interested in an intern? I remember, um, I'm not sure if you know Millie Kendall. She was like the founder of um, Ruby and Millie, which she was like, she's basically like a beauty innovator. So she owned Beauty Mart and she's like behind like launching, for example, Shiomura in the UK. So she's like, in terms of the beauty industry, she was like a heavyweight. And I always remember being so inspired by her and seeing on Twitter that she had, um, she was in the process of opening a concession in Harvey Nichols with the former beauty director of Vogue, Anna Marie Solovey, another woman who's incredible that I've worked with. And I, they weren't open at the time. I just remember thinking, I was what, how old was I? I was like 20 or 21. And I'm thinking, I want to work for her. I'm going to just tweet her. And I was like, hi, are you interested in interns or something like that? I'd said, are you looking for interns? And she was like, yeah, definitely send me your CV. I didn't really have a CV so much to speak for a CV. I'd just done like, I think a couple of more internships. And I went to her, like I went to her office and now I look back at the way I was dressed. I wasn't dressed professionally at all. (laughs) Not at all. And I'd kind of just gone there, not sure what I wanted to do as an intern. I just said, I love beauty. And she, she'd asked me loads of things about what are your favorite products and what's this and what's that. But it wasn't this kind of um, technical interview. It was just really welcoming, really nice. And she was like, I think you'd be suited to doing like editorial and content and things like that. Um, a bit of buying as well. So support the buyer. And 
I now I look back as a 30 year old and I'm like I had some guts when I was younger now not so much although now I'm kind of being a bit more fearless but back then I think it's the youth of in you that kind of makes you think I I know what I want and I'm gonna go for it and I can kind of identify a few people that are already where I want to be and if they're willing to kind of share that wisdom with me why not so yeah I, I love that you've done that and I think anyone listening, all women, especially women would benefit from being fearless enough to approach the people that they are really keen to kind of emulate and to say, listen, I want you, like, I'd I'd be honored if you would intern me. And if they're, for example, really unattainable, like for me, one of my inspirations in marketing is Bazoma St. John. I know for a fact that I can't email her and she's going to be my mentor. That's probably impossible, but... (laughs) I watch her YouTube watch videos. Watch this space. Watch this space. Who knows? You never know. You never know. Who knows? <laughs> it's true. Who knows? But I mean, I watch her YouTube videos, for example, like on YouTube, her interviews or her Instagram or whatever. And I kind of take her advice from that. So whether it's a physical in-person mentor or whether it's utilizing technology and Instagram or YouTube, whatever it is, there are resources available to us that we can utilize Absolutely. knowledge Absolutely. everything it's at the tip of our fingers you know no I agree and I think even for me one of my goals um this year in terms of really appreciating mentors um is you know giving them their flowers I know we were discussing this just a little bit before um but I love what you said about mentors being accessible through literature and through the digital space. And I think one of my favorite mentors from last year was Elaine Waltz-Roth. He used to be the former editor of um, Teen Vogue. And I read her book, but I feel like she mentored me like one-on-one. So I think that's definitely, you know, reaching out for resources, um, you know, whether they're digital or print, or even like you say, just being fearless enough to reach out to people you may you may um, interact with um, on a, you know, more on a closer basis, definitely just, just do it. And I think also for anyone listening, if younger women do come up to you or even peers come up to you and they ask for, not necessarily will you be my mentor, but that sort of guidance, that sort of solidarity or soundboard, uh, which is what mentors are, you know, um, I think just being open to that, um, is so so important I think that's again it's not even so much sometimes what they the words they say it's just the fact that they believed in you in the first place or that they gave you a listening ear because in so many situations we don't have that opportunity so yeah yeah spot on that is so true I mean there's always the, the chance to gain knowledge and wisdom and experience and and if we can kind of get a helping hand getting there and and if we can give a helping hand do it how for you would you compare back then at least when we were kind of more in contact and when I was kind of mentoring you versus now like what's kind of happened for you between that gap would you say it's it's so weird I think that now I'm like approaching 27 and when I met you you were 27 I think for me and literally this is just something I've thought about now I feel like I see myself more like how I saw you um I was just like this woman is a boss she's in charge of her affairs she knows what she wants I remember you discussing quite candidly and openly how you wouldn't you know like say if you were tired of a job for example and I was like how can you be talking so carelessly not even carelessly but Mm -hmm. you know free about a job I'm like 
I have to hold on to every single job I have. And if it's a job like you had at the time, you know, in a globally recognized corporate brand, I'm not leaving that, but I just love that sense of confidence that you had in what you bring to the table um, and who you are that I am now starting to feel and feel in myself. Um, as it, you know, now that I've been working for a little bit longer, I think when we met, maybe I'd been in the development sector for maybe like a year and a half. And then now it's approaching like five years. So it's, I've definitely seen that growth um, and that uh, further affirmation in myself as a woman, what I want in my own voice as well, just that ability to say, no, actually what I'm saying makes sense. What I'm saying is right. Uh, so I would definitely say that's how I've grown. I've just definitely grown more into my own woman. Uh, yeah, literally becoming the woman I always thought that um, I was going to be. Honestly, I think it's so nice to see, especially that you're really killing it in your field. You're doing well. I mean, like you said earlier, you've gone from Northwest London to Abuja, Nigeria. I mean, that's not a small feat, by the way. That's massive for you to kind of make the decision to to go from the place that you've known all your life to a, an entirely different country what has that been like it's been affirming again it's been a really big growth process and now that I'm standing here looking back and like wow I actually moved to Nigeria but it's definitely been a humbling process as well um it's taught me that actually you need to depend and trust a lot on other people in other people rather um, I think it's also taught me that the world is extremely small. So the reason I, I was able to settle so well into Abuja, Nigeria, is because of a lot of the people like the diaspora Nigerians that I, I grew up with in the UK and um, people that I knew. In fact, um, so I, I was born in Kenya um, and I have a lot of family still in Kenya. So my cousin, and I didn't even know this, had spent a year in Abuja before I got here. So one of the people that I had actually... Um, met met up with in you know the first instance was a friend of hers who she had met in Nairobi so it's just those little connections that helped me um kind of find my bearings so that's one thing I've definitely learned about moving abroad it can be very daunting um but the world isn't so 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 big you know it's actually quite small and you you always find familiar um points of reference um so yeah that's what that's what it's been like. And it's been fun. It's been fun. Nigeria is a crazy but amazing place to live in. At the same I time. bet. I bet. I've always wanted to visit Nigeria, actually. I feel like it's one of those countries in Africa that you kind of have to see. And it's always yeah. seeing as it's a massive country in, in Africa. I think it's I think Lagos is probably Africa's most densely populated city as well. So you can imagine the sheer number of people that live in Nigeria, too. I mean, in the diaspora as well. So. So yeah, I definitely want to visit. No, absolutely. I mean, Nigeria has a population of over 200 million people. Um, and there's stats that say, I think it's either one in four or one in five Africans that you run into is a Nigerian. <laughs> it's a huge country with a huge global presence. What's it been like adjusting? The first thing to also state as a disclaimer is that I actually also moved here as an expat working for a global organization. So it's not that I... I I came here and I was, um, you know, I'm, I'm like a national staff. I'm an international staff. And 
that has a, that comes with a lot of privileges and securities, which made it a lot easier to to transition into, you know, so if I need medical care, work is going to sort it out. Even up to where I live, I had connections to be able to get me like a safe place to stay. The house had to be checked before I before I could stay here. So that really helped, made it quite smooth. Um, but in terms of like, you know, coming from London where I get on, you know, the Met line to work, etc. That was a huge transition. I even in Kenya, I don't use public transport because I am actually too scared. I get mm-hmm. social anxiety, especially when I'm in crowds. Um, so here, for instance, I always use Ubers or Bolts. Um, they are like local transports, uh, you know, vehicles that you can use, but nothing, of course, is mainstream or, um, you know, nothing compared to what we have with, you know, the, the underground and transport for London. So that was that was also different. But Abuja is really cool in that it's like it's a new newish city. It hasn't grown as organically as Lagos. Um, so everything is quite well structured. Like roads are really really good. Everything is like in it, on an expressway. Everything is fifteen minutes away from each other. So in a way, it's it made it easy to settle in. And I think. If I had moved to Lagos, for example, it would have been a completely different uh, situation. I don't know if I would have survived, to be honest. Um, but yeah, no, it's been good uh, in terms of setting, settling into the culture. Um, that's been also really interesting. Nigeria is extremely diverse um, in terms of um, ethnic groups. So it's been really interesting to learn that, but also uh, quite cool to draw similarities between like Kenyan culture, um, Swahili culture um, and for, for example northern culture um, here in Abuja because Abuja is considered to be you know the north and um, it's been really great being in a country where everyone is black most people are black um, that's been that's been really nice um, actually and then also um, and I've spoken about this before but being in a country where um, Islam is the other is is as practiced as Christianity. So we were just talking about this now, the fact that on Fridays we get to close early because we do much prayers. And that's been really affirming in terms of black identity. So I'm not a Muslim, but I think it's been really nice to see um, black Muslims practice their faith quite openly. Um, I haven't adjusted well to the food. I have to say, I can't eat spicy food. Surprisingly really love Northern dishes. So like house of dishes. Um, I love their, their rices, I love their stews, their rice cakes, also known as masa, um, their meats. They, it really just reminds me of, um, again, coastal Swahili culture in, in Ooh, Kenya. Yeah, I, I do yeah, love so my I love coastal, that. I do love my coastal Swahili food. Like I love like, like ugali and I don't remember all of the names, but like you said, like the dishes and like the stews, like, I'm Ooh. literally just picturing like, fish and coconut and all that kind of stuff Spices, I mean yeah yeah, yeah I'm I mean, very aromatic it's your herbs like it's really <laughs> the street so I think you should you should come and try it it's, it's I would really love nice. to I would love to no I, I I mean I have a lot I mean I'm ashamed to say the only countries I've been to in Africa are Egypt and Somalia and I've only been to Somalia once so I feel like I need to I mean Kenya is actually probably next on my list Kenya I would love to visit Kenya um like you said I want to visit the coast I'd love to visit Lamu Melindi Mm. uh, like all Mombasa all of these countries uh cities I mean on the on the coast 
I have to I have to I mean and if you're if you're speaking so well about Nigeria as well I have to visit Nigeria someday as well who knows no, you have to you have to like it's the giant of Africa Nigeria yeah. it can be chaotic and I don't think my Nigerian friends would shoot me down for saying that it's got its own charm um, and the people are really truly special um, resilient, hardworking, extremely funny, extremely industrious. I mean, so much of our culture is informed by what happens in Nigeria. So I think it's a very cool place to visit. And I would also say, um, you know, before I came to Nigeria, I hadn't been to many African countries and I, I still haven't. Um, but I think as we are all gradually, you know, looking to explore the continent and moving abroad, I think it's, it's going to become increasingly um, the norm to, to travel the continent. And as for me, I'm, I'm just trying to travel in Africa and explore. What was it that led you to kind of making that move in the first place? I'll put my hands up. Nigeria was not anywhere in my dreams like I was not thinking of moving here and when I was thinking about scaling up my career so I was working with a small NGO in London uh, who focused on ending sexual and gender-based violence and I was thinking okay where can I next go what's really going to launch my career in terms of like development um, and so I applied as part of a roster to um, to work within um, the INGO that I now work for and literally they they gave me Nigeria they said oh your profile matches this uh, current opening would you be interested but I was saying no you know what if I want to excel this is where I've got to go and it wasn't even so much the country I think it was more the organization and just thinking about the opportunities that it would open up for me so I was like sorry mom and dad I gotta go I'm going so that that was it was actually accidental I didn't choose that um the organization yes but not Nigeria and then just ended up here and actually have completely fallen in love with the country. Nice. What does your day-to-day generally look like? And are, are there any kind of achievements or anything that you would say that I'm so proud of? I've, I've, I've done this, I've done that. Because I'm sure with the kind of work you're doing, you actually have tangible results and an impact on people as well. I'll go on the on the first the first question, like what does my day-to-day look like? So of course with COVID, we're also working from home. Um, but typically now we're we're kind of loosening up as as well. And actually, unlike the UK, this is 110% shade at the government, but like we have dealt with this virus and the um I would say looking after each other a lot better than I would say some countries in the West have. So amen. uh, Like people are very serious about like wearing face masks, about um, social distancing, about sanitizers, even though it's kind of changed now because things have opened up, I would say definitely at the start. And perhaps that's actually what has allowed us to open up um, in, in this particular way. Um, but so my day to day, um, normally start work around eight to eight thirty, and then just lots of emails, uh, lots of following up with um, implementing partners in terms of some of the projects that we're running. So uh, we work quite closely with government officials. My work specifically looks at um, increasing women's political representation because, in as much as all of us listening to this can probably name a phenomenal boss Nigerian women unfortunately um, Nigerian women have the lowest representation for leadership 
um, in government, which is really crazy given how huge the country is as well. So you need leadership that reflects your population. And unfortunately, that's not what we have here at the moment. So I work a lot on that. Um, and so, yeah, it's mainly following up with implementing partners, sometimes going out to the field, um, observing some of our uh, projects, working a lot with young women, which is where I started a long time ago, I say a long time ago, only five years ago, with Forward, um, as a young woman myself, on young women's leadership, how do we strengthen the capacities of women to, um, to lead and to have their voices heard, and also to be transformational leaders, because I think one thing that COVID has showed us is we're tired of um, leaders who aren't willing to listen, um, you know, to be participatory, we're tired of leaders who are tyrannical and um, people who don't listen to the voices or allow space for uh, groups who are marginalized. So that's a lot of the work I did with Forward. And again, now this is what some of the work we're doing in terms of nurturing um, the next group of, of young women leaders in Nigeria who are eventually going, going to lead this great nation. Um, so that's essentially my day-to-day. -day. If we're not on field missions across you know, one of the states in Nigeria, um, so, so mainly, you know, sometimes in Lagos, sometimes in, in um, we're in the North Central. So this perhaps is the part where you guys pull out your Nigeria map, but we're in the North Central region, I guess, or geopolitical zone, if you like. Um, so have had opportunities to travel to like Nasarawa, um, to Kaduna, which is sort of North Central as well. A few states here and there, mainly working on young, on women's leadership. Um, now, when, when we're talking about results and what have I, you know, really been most proud of, um, I would say I, I feel very lucky again to have, to be working in a nation where when Nigeria does something, the world, the world listens. Um, when their artists do, do things, like people take notice. So one of the things that I've been most proud of is working with like the private sector, working with um, marketing, marketing um, executives to get gender equality to be part of their, their work and to mainstream it and to be part of their mandate because um, Nigeria is a, an extremely patriarchal country, like many countries on the continent. And what you realize when you're working on gender equality and women's rights issues, there's so much work that has to be done in terms of what we think women are capable of doing. So a lot of that is, is to do with shifting social norms. And some of the big players in this field not only, are not only policymakers who can change laws to enable women to have access to uh, whether it's health or to credit um, or to jobs, but it's actually also the private sector because they hold the money, you know? So once they start changing their marketing strategies, once they start presenting women in a different light, you see that actually the Nigerian population, this is what they've been ready for. So your, your population all of a sudden is, is um, tapping into the products that you're putting out as, for example, a marketing executive. And I just love seeing that relationship you know, work when um, the private sector, when governments see that actually gender equality is not only the right thing to do, but it's actually really smart for business as well, because women hold a huge purchasing, you know, have huge purchasing power. So um, I've been very proud this, this year or last year rather, we managed to launch um, a chapter here in, in Nigeria called um, the Unstereotype Alliance um, Nigeria chapter, which has um, executive marketing um, companies, big uh, international companies on board, 
um, who are committed to using their marketing and um, you know their platform to push for gender equality. So that's something I, I would have been really proud of. Also being really um, proud of innovating and also leading um, a, a scheme whereby we matched young women with uh, female ambassadors, female ministers, female um, heads of development agencies to have an insight into their day-to-day -day work. Um, and for me, what's been most rewarding is that some of these young women have then been kept on. It was only just like, you know, like a week long scheme, but you know, you get female ministers saying, I, I want this girl to stay on and be part of my team. Or you get women who have now gotten contracts. It's, it's just crazy. So for me, that's been, you know, some of the things that's been really inspiring. And I think I'll just end on, I'll go back to what, when you asked me about what do I do with my day? Because it's not, of course, just work. Um, but I really love hanging out with friends here, have really made like a community, the family here. And I would say, I know it's not always the experience of people when they move abroad, but um, I think when you are lucky enough to find a home and family here, that just is such a highlight, you know, and like I say, it makes the world seem less big. Um, so yeah, I love hanging out, love going out, enjoying the Nigerian nightlife and, you know, social scene. And also, you know, just love doing things that expats do like, you know, yoga and kickboxing and all those kind of kind of cool things. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's that in a nutshell, really. I love it. I love it. You're also passionate, by the way, about makeup. That was one of the things yeah. that we clicked on when we first met that you're so into makeup and you're talented as well, that you're, you have like this magical power between your hand and a makeup brush and like literally the looks you create are insane seriously you're talented when it comes to makeup was it something that you'd kind of discovered much earlier on in your life or was it something you just kind of developed um later on no, it was definitely something I developed uh I always wanted to be able to draw like to be an artist but I was never really good at art at all but um I think when I was gradual when I was sorry when I was in uni like my third year final year um some of my, some of my friends and I know we've had this conversation before but some of my friends were saying oh Andrew you know you're you're quite good at makeup why don't you just do some makeup can you do my makeup whatever and it got to a point where when I graduated, I wasn't really sure um, what I was doing with my life in terms of, okay, I've got this degree in biomedical science. Um, you know, what am I going to do after that? And I was like, okay, I'm going to work for a charity or I'm going to try and apply for med school. But in that time, I really don't want to work in close retail again, because that's what I was doing during university to sustain me. And it's at that point that I thought about makeup and I said, okay, if I'm going to work retail, it has to be makeup. And literally by God's grace, I applied to MAC Cosmetics. Um, I think it was around summer. I applied summer when I graduated. I didn't get it. And they said, oh, you know, you should have like a qualification. Or if you get qualification, you should apply again. So um, I went on Wildshire, did a short course, literally like three days got like a certificate and applied again and then I managed to land a position at the flagship store at Mac on Oxford on Oxford Street um in, on, on Carnaby Street rather so yeah that, that's literally how I fell into it and I was able to really practice Mac was great because 
they they're quite open about you know they have this motto all ages all races all sexes so it's very expressive um but also very they have like the most talented artists so got to learn there unfortunately it was only a christmas 10 position um but you know god makes things all things work together for good because after that that's how i fell back into working at forward um, and then again at forward i was only working three days and i realized i needed something else to supplement my my income so then I got a two-day uh, two job at NARS Cosmetics. So I was working at NARS Cosmetics in Brent Cross. And again, completely different type of artistry, um, very uniform, very clean, a lot of emphasis on the, you know, the beauty of skin um, and, you know, very light application of makeup, um, complementing, um, you know, it was very much like a uniform. You know, I remember just... A, quick insight we had if you were going to wear a bold lip you could only wear a wing line and you couldn't wear like a smoky eye and a bold lip and if you're going to wear a smoky smoky eye you'd have to wear like a nude lip so it was quite regimented in that sense um, and that's how I fell into it um, I was also a part of the performing arts team at church um, and I served on the makeup team so during Christmas or Easter we got to do makeup which was really really cool and again had great female mentors like yourself um, and that's that's how that's how um, I fell into OBB and Co. Really, um, just started freelancing um, and doing that. Yeah, it's so cool comparing Mac and Nas because, like you said, for me that's how I see Nas. Like very clean lines. There is color, but it's clean. Whereas Mac is very bold artistry. And for me, Nas is my favorite brand. Actually, out of all makeup brands, Nas is my favorite. And the way I, funnily enough, the way I dis- discovered. Nas was I mean I can't believe I'm saying this but I remember in my first year of uni I had exams and I pretty much I I failed that exam actually no sorry did I fail that no I didn't fail the exam but I just remember leaving early thinking F this I'm Mm -hmm. done so I got on the central line the exam I took was in Stratford I got on the central line I left the exam early I took the train all the way to Marble Arch and I thought hmm I have a bit of student finance. Let me just go to Selfridges. And then <laughs> I went to Mac, the counter, and I just wasn't happy with like the concealers and the foundations and they were just too orange. And what was right in front of me, right in front of the Mac counter was NARS. And now I think Laura Mercier is there or Trish McFoy um, in Selfridges. Mm-hmm. But I just remember looking right in front of me and I saw NARS and I was like, oh, I've never heard of this mm-hmm. brand before. This was like 2010, I think. And I had no business spending my student finance. <laughs> but hey, you only live once, right? So I bought the foundation, I bought lip gloss, I bought blush, I bought everything. And that was my first foray into NARS. And basically it was worth it. But no, after that, I love I love the brand. I love the brand. Their, their lipsticks, the, the foundations, the concealers. My Holy Grail concealer is the creamy concealer. What else do I love? I love the blush, like Taj Mahal, mm-hmm. the eyeshadows. Like they've got really nice, like these like one pot, like these one palette eyeshadows. Like there's one called Mykonos, which is like an iridescent green, black. Yeah, yeah, Gorgeous. Yeah. New York as well. What else is there? I'm trying to think. For me, it's the, I mean, firstly, kudos to you, because I don't think even with my staff discount, I ever bought a NARS lip gloss. No. The Mac is amazing. And of course, Mac was is comparably like affordable, you know, when you yeah. get NARS. <laughs> but I, even with a NARS discount, didn't buy the lip gloss, not because they weren't good, but because I was like, mm, 
Like, you know, when you're buying your kit and you have to weigh up, okay, what's really essential? Can I get this lip gloss at NYX, at NYX? Yes, I can. So that's what it was for me. But I think a standout, some of the standout products for me at NARS, um, definitely the foundation, literally wearing NARS right now. And I think that's what, that's actually how I first heard about NARS. A lot of black girls telling me I wear my foundation and it's from NARS. Um, but I, I also love, of course, I don't know if you know the story about the some of the blushes and some of the names and some of the lipsticks, some of the really popular ones. But I just really love that about NARS as a brand because it does seem very put together, but then you come to the counter and um, someone, especially, and I loved it, especially when the boyfriends or the brothers would come in for like something for their partner, female partner, and they'd be like, can I get a orgasm? I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly the names the nas names are definitely for marketing uh, for sure they're for marketing like you just know mm-hmm. that especially back when they first launched a lot of it i'm sure a lot of it was for like like kind of buzz factor or kind of like wow factor to somehow get people talking because now I don't think it's so much like it nowadays we see kind of risque things when it comes to a lot of brands now but back then they were really pushing it I mean I think on my bookshelf I've got a few there's a Nas book somewhere I can't find it right now but I have this massive book from Francois Nas and it's so cool it's this kind of interactive book and basically what you've got are these like images of the artists sorry not the artists the models images with makeup and then there is these kind of like plastic clear wallets on top of it that you basically fold on top of it and it kind of conforms with the the model's face to say what exactly they have on their lip what they have on their eye what they have on this that it's such a cool book and I'd kind of gone to a few masterclasses as well with Nas in Selfridges and a few other places as well. And I'd I'd learned interesting techniques. Like for example, um, if you want, put lip gloss on your eyelids or don't just do lipstick first and lip gloss. Maybe it might actually be nicer to do lip gloss first and then lipstick or mix a bit of pigment with this, that and the other. Like Nas has always been my favorite brand for that reason. They generally push the lines a little bit, but it's all about pure Mm. artistry, like really classy kind of artistry and it's just honestly it's one of my if not my favorite brands for that reason it's true and actually I think being loving Nas is so dangerous because for me as an artist I found that I have not ventured uh, like further away than Nas like I found Nas and I was like yep this is my this is my go-to now I, I don't care what you say like I don't who who is who is Huda who is Laura like I mean of course there's some brands that you go to for a particular thing but consistently when it comes to complexion products um it's it's going to be NARS Um, and then I think also like just to add to what you said about how NARS really pushed the needle in terms of artistry um but also being kind of risque and I would say actually um also just giving women this sort of agency um and the sort of like sexiness allowing them to, to to really take power when it comes to, you know, what they want from beauty and cosmetics. Um, I think he really pushed, he's he pioneered, like if you think about what they innovated in terms of the, the multi-stick, like a stick that you can have for cheeks, lips, and for eyes, that was Francois Nas. So um, yeah, I just, I just think the brand is, is dope. I'm, I'm a bit rusty. 
um, on NARS at the moment. But I mean, all I know is I use their concealer, I use their foundation. They are literally my go-to. Yeah, you also mentioned NYX or NYX. I usually just say NYX, but that's also that's one of my favorites. That's probably one of my top favorite brands. I use the eye, eye pencils, like the eyeliner. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you use like the micro thin one? I do. I do. I literally have it today. <laughs> Me too. So my brows are filled with the, yeah. this, like, the thin stick. Yeah. 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 I like because which color do you pencil. use? I'm using espresso because I couldn't find black today. And then I just topped it with the, the clear gel, their clear brow gel. But I also do use their, I think it's either, I think it's espresso, the espresso brow gel as well. So I use that. Um, and of course, love their, their lip glosses. What are they called again? Lip small ones. The butter lip, lip glosses. I have two right in front of me. <laughs> oh, I love that. Which I don't know if I can, I don't think I'm going to so, guess that. I have this one on. It's called um, Strawberry Cheesecake, actually. Let me put that on. So what I usually do is I will uh, use a brown lip liner. I'll use a brown lip liner around the lip, uh, around the corners of my lips and whatever, just to line my lips. And then I'll fill it in with this. Or there is um, orange sickle. And it's to be fair, this isn't my favorite one. I don't really like this as much. But it's it's this kind of red with a hint of orange. I do I prefer to mix it with the I'm struggling to think of the name. It's this really light beigey color. Why can't mm. I remember? Um, it's not like friendly or no. We're no. close. We're getting there. It's not Madeline. Madeline, that's it. Madeline. So what I'll do is I'll use Madeline. I, I love Madeline. I'll use it with the NARS, not NARS, sorry, the MAC. Oh, so I'll use Madeline with MAC chestnut lip liner. And then sometimes I'll use a bit of the orange circle. So it's basically like a brownie, slightly hint of brown, but with just a hint of red and orange. But for the most part, my general classic lip combo is chestnut MAC liner and Madeline lip gloss from NYX. Like, honestly, the lip gloss is from, from NYX. Like, I, I feel like you don't really need to spend so much money on lip gloss. NYX has got you sorted. No, absolutely. And I, but you know what I recently discovered as well? I, I discovered the Pat McGrath um, lip glosses. <gasps> Literally a gift, because you know already how I feel about buying expensive lip glosses, if you haven't guessed already. But really great, because um, they've got real pigment that's, that almost like stains your lips so like you're not just putting on like a clear gloss it, it, you don't get the sense that it's just like a sheer color you get the sense that it's actually I don't know what what it's doing it's nourishing my lips it's stain tainting or tinting my lips so yeah I, I, I do like those glosses as well the Pat McGrath ones yeah listen Pat McGrath is on another level so my sister has this kind of lip balm from Pat McGrath and it's like so fancy it's like in this white um lipstick kind of tube and there are lips on it like literally like like 3d lips and you just open <laughs> up and it's a lip balm it's so glam and you just think this is so extra for a lip balm but you put it on and it's like butter honestly mm. it's like butter and I love I love what she's done I haven't actually tried a lot of her stuff I've tried a couple of things and I love them like the, the eye stuff for example but I just think like how inspiring it is that she's gone from your regular girl in the UK. I don't think she lived in London. I think she lived in the middle. No, she's from the north. Yeah, yeah, she's from the north. I think she, I want to say she's from Manchester, but she's from the north. What was so inspiring to me was that she's come from like humble beginnings from in the Midlands to working for 
like all these massive brands to having been like one of the biggest no it's the not best. not even one of the biggest the best makeup artists right, like the ever best and the biggest makeup artists all the iconic looks you've seen like Pat McGrath's hand has been there she doesn't have to do so much she's not in our face she's just she gives me the impression of like, if you know, you know, like if you know what's good for you, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that about her. But also this funny, um, you should definitely listen to it if you have the time, the Desert Discs Island podcast with the BBC. So she did an episode and she talked about her and um, Edwin Ennefold, the 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 what's it called the editor of Vogue UK she said that they would apparently kind of go I think it was to events or to shows and stuff and say that they worked for Vogue Jamaica and that's how they would get in yeah I mean it's hilarious but that's how they would get in and she talks about her upbringing and she didn't come from the the best of upbringings but the way her mum was kind of really into fashion and her mum would her mum really gave her a strong fashion sensibility and and made her kind Mm. of and kind of inspired her to kind of get into to this field. Like, honestly, I find it so inspiring that she has like a billion dollar company. She's killing it in her field. She is, honestly, no one really tops her when it comes to like makeup artists. Seriously, no one. I, I genuinely truly, don't know. Really and truly, because I think she's one of the few beauty uh, personalities, artists, um, professionals who's managed to successfully um marry not only you know her, her skill but also with um what the, the the consumer market is about right now and has been able to really transition to where we are now when it comes to beauty if you look at some of her contemporaries like Francois Nas and Laura Mercier who are all still very relevant and big powerhouses but I think Pat McGrath has really managed to infiltrate like the millennial space and the you know which gen is it now gen z gen, gen z <laughs> Gen Z kind of space and um, but she's like an OG she's a powerhouse you know so I think she's she's phenomenal yeah are sure. there any other kind of figures that kind of inspire you in the in the beauty industry or not even just figures but even brands you like so we've obviously talked about Pat McGrath we've mm. talked about Nix, Nas mm. are there any other kind of brands and, and figures that you like um let me think about this so when it comes to brands um I really love House of Tara, uh, which is a Nigerian Nigerian brand. Um, I love House of Tara because it's affordable, but it's still like high, high quality. And I think one of the things that I realized moving to Nigeria, of course, the cost of living is like lower than the UK. So the price point for like makeup, like especially for a brand that is Nigerian. So for example, MAC Clinique sold in Nigeria is extortionate. It's like expensive. Um, and that's the kind of thing that these brands have to kind of work, work against. You know, they have, they're producing really quality makeup, but they have to bear in mind that their price point has to be um, respective and um, corresponding with, with, with their market. So I, I love it because it's quality. Um, so my good friend Esther actually introduced me to this pencil. I have it here because I was conscious that I might have to you know reapply but it's called Afia and I keep losing my Mac chestnut but this is on par with Mm. chestnut Um, and I love it like it's a bit worn down but any good lip liner is worn down and then of course I just matched it with Ruby Woo which is a classic Uh, so yeah I love House of Tara Um, recently I, I just love their branding as well I love their branding it's quintessential Nigerian it's it's just so beautiful to, to see. So I highly recommend you guys check out their website. 
But also, um, I loved the features they were making on the Netflix show um, Smart Money Woman. So I don't know if you've Ooh, heard I've of it. I've never watched it, no. It's so good. It's so good. It's a series and it's all about, it's based on a book, an Nigerian book that came out, I think, a few years ago that blew up. Um, I think the person who did the illustrations for it is Camille and Chill, I think. I they love her. Yeah. So they did this amazing book, which got turned into a Netflix series, really phenomenal. And it just, it's, I think you would love it. It's all about like sisterhood and it takes us through the different stories of like this group of girlfriends, you know, one who's really struggling with her money, one who's um, really struggling with like relationships or her marriage. Um, and it's, it's just so cool. But long story short, the producers and it's produced by women as well fantastic written by women fantastic so a lot of the brands that um that are featured I've, I've forgotten what you call it you'll know it better but when you have brands that pop up in like yeah a, product placement exactly product placement exactly so you see a lot of house of tara there and i was like yes girls go get your bag nice thing so love house of tara um my other makeup icons i love my mom's makeup like very simple beautiful skin um yeah I, I, I love that and I also love AOC um so the house of rep house of represent uh, representative from the states um and a lot of what I was thinking about last year in terms of beauty was based on her and you know and she says your femininity is powerful she says that when she wears like a red lip it like she feels powerful um she even has this whole vogue like get ready with me um, sort of look and she's just like a beauty influencer uh, but she's one of my inspirations when it comes to to makeup so yeah House of Tara love them my mom's makeup love it because it's just it's what she needs it's practical it's it's easy um, and it makes her look she still looks beautiful um, and love AOC as well what who are some of yours um what who are some of mine um I'm trying to think so there's a previous guest um, who was on Mind Pretty Soft, Shay Graham, or on Instagram, she's known as Shay Breezy. She's incredible. Like her, she's like this the typical kind of Bay Area girl. So she's always got like the clean skin, lip gloss. She's so bold with the eyes. So she does a lot of pastel looks some, sometimes. She's amazing. Um, I love her, like literally the skin, the nails, the hair, the makeup, everything is on point. It's nice to think about where we get our beauty influences um, influences from and where we draw inspiration from as well. Um, so yeah, 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 yeah. Because I like like actually saying that. That's so interesting because I think when you mentioned AOC, it's so easy for you to kind of um, to kind of see her as just a political person, but she is naturally yeah. someone who wants to look good. She has. Like she wants to represent herself in her in her like kind of put her best foot forward. And when people are doing kind of criticisms to say you shouldn't do a video on Vogue, I'm sorry, but yeah. does does me being a political um figure make me void, null void and completely dismissive of anything else but politics? She's someone who wants to look good, right? As a human right. being, there's full context behind us. I'm not just home I'm not just a wife I'm not just a mother I'm not just a politician I'm not just a, a woman who works for an NGO there are many we're multifaceted beings like yourself now we've we talked about working for an NGO we've talked about 
like kind of gender-based violence. And now we're talking about makeup. We're just multifaceted beings who like makeup, skincare, whatever it is, fitness. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that I don't have enough brain cells. I mean, I'm sorry, but I have degrees. I have a career. I have this and the other. And at the same time, in the morning, I like to put my makeup on and beat my face. And I can do it pretty damn good too. Like <laughs> I love about AOC as well. Like this girl knows what she's doing. Like when she's got her radiant creamy concealer, she's like, I like to do that. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. But I mean, I think also what's so important about beauty and, um, you know, makeup, makeup, you know, if we want to make it, if we want to boil it down to makeup is just that it actually is, is beyond just being a pretty face. You know, it's a form of expression. It's a form of protection. It's a form of like confidence boosting. It gives you confidence in some cases. And, you know, sometimes we use it to cover up scars, unfortunately. But I think one of the things that I've been really privileged to witness in this work that I do in terms of like makeup and women's development is like how the way you dress yourself, the way you can have agency over your body and put things that you want to put on your body for yourself, um, how that transforms transforms you and enables you to just walk in your, in your truth or in your purpose or just even allows you to get through the day. That is super powerful. And I think, you know, a lot of the work we did at Ford as well, we did, um, we were taking young women in Uganda, Tanzania, uh, in the Gambia now as well, through trainings where they were really dealing with with hard issues. We're talking about issues of sexual and gender-based violence. And a lot of them had been, were survivors of sexual and gender-based violence. Um, So not only are we saying, okay, we're strengthening your capacities or we're also learning from you in terms of how can we be better activists and advocates um, on this issue. Like we were really heavy on the point of self-care as well. you know, understanding that you have to be resilient. And one one uh, quote that comes to mind is Audre Lorde's, you know, um, self-care is not an act of self-indulgence. Um, it is an act of, what is it an act of? Self-preservation, yeah. I think. And that is an act of political warfare. So yeah. I, when I see AOC wear a red lip, I know she's going in there to just batter all of them. Like she's just going there to scatter the whole place. So I think we need to also just, makeup can be absolutely just for you to look pretty and that is fine, but it can also be for you to feel empowered, to be stronger, to send a message across, you know? So makeup is a tool, it's a tool and it's a tool for everyone. As Max says, all ages, all races, all sexes. You know, that Audrey Lord quote, I remember coming across that when I was studying for my master's a few years ago. And I remember being on the verge of burnout because I have so much going on in my life. I've also got like work to do as well as that. I've got essays, I've got exams, everything all at once. Right. And the master's I was doing was pretty taxing as well. It's a very intense one. And I just remember kind of getting to that point where I read an article um, I'm going to have a look for it because if anyone listening is literally studying, they would benefit from it. But it was basically self-care and preservation tips for black academics, black women, Mm. academics in particular, I think. And they were kind of talking about the benefits of sleep and having a routine and making sure that you're eating regularly and that you're not going to kind of miss out on the chance to go to the doctor if you need to. If If you've got a toothache, go to the dentist. Those are kind of the steps that we need to take in order to preserve ourselves. When we have an ache, go to the doctor when you 
need rest when you're like burnt out like you're literally burning the candle on both ends and you've got an essay due but you've also got some things going on in your life have the kind of the wits about you to take a break these are the things Mm. that we need self-care isn't this frivolous materialistic vain pursuit a lot of us have kind of been beaten down to be like no I have to work I have to grind I have to hustle I have to do this 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 I mean we have a place and a time for that however at the core of it how are you going to find the time to hustle and grind if you don't make the time to to care for yourself as well so we need to make yeah. sure that we look after yeah. ourselves yeah. and I think as well if like beauty or whatever it is fitness um if those things that you're an enthusiast about or like really talented about like give you that sort of joy they should be cherished and they should be nurtured and you should continue to pursue them for sure yeah yeah that I'd love to end the episode on such a beautiful note by the way though everything you've just said there is perfect so thank you so much for joining me today Angela I'm it's been such a such 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 a lovely conversation with you and it was perfect catch-up as well so thank you for joining me no thank you so so much it's been amazing and thank you so much for what you do thank you so much no worries no worries so where can we find you on socials um so you can find me on instagram i'm mainly on instagram the nigerian government recently brought back twitter i'm not really happy about it because it means i actually have to go and tweet so <laughs> on instagram um and obb underscore um that's where you find most of you know my day-to-day my work all of that put together OBB and Co, which is where um, I put most of my makeup stuff, uh, some of the looks I do, and then Fine in Dev. So Fine in Dev, which is a network for Black women who are working in the development space and a place for us just to show ourselves off being the best, you know, living our best lives, but also a space for us to uh, support each other's career in this space that, you know, isn't always for us. So, yeah. So finding nice. Dev, OBB and OBB and Co. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Take care and stay safe. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 